Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. So today's episode is a tale of two subwoofer companies. Uh, It's a real-life story about strategic thought leadership and its use in marketing, in this case. But before we get into the story, I've got to give you a disclaimer. Now, I'm not directly saying there's anything hypnotic going on or anything related to trance states, multiple-level learning, accelerated learning, or high-level influence. But since I want you to get the most out of it as a lesson in strategic thought leadership, let's just see this as at least a small attempt at being within a frame of altered state learning as a way of bypassing some people's conscious tendency to avoid learning something new by putting new information within a category of something they already know. Since I know at least some people who listen to this will think, oh, this is just like a unique selling proposition. And yeah, it shares something with that, but it's distinctly different and I think much more powerful. And it's a difference that I want you to notice. Now, some might think strategic thought leadership marketing is like Seth Godin's permission marketing and idea virus marketing. And those books that Seth wrote decades ago, which by the way still have yet to be fully utilized by almost anyone, any business or individual marketing on the internet, they're influential and inform some basis. But there again, there's some key differences to help strategic thought leadership take those ideas that I greatly respect and further them in really effective implementation that builds and moves an audience. Uh, Just consider you can always put something in a category of convenience and it's like saying oh my dog's fur is soft my couch is soft so my dog is the same as the couch a couch dog like a couch with a toothy head on one end and a wagging tail on the other sure Um, but I wouldn't sit on my dog's back he's not that big a dog you know it hurt him so I'm not gonna do that so it's not really helpful to put things in categories that way Um, In any case, because there's at least the possibility of some multiple level learning created by an immersion state, don't listen to this particular episode while you're driving or operating heavy machinery. If you've been putting off using your chainsaw to take down that limb hanging over your house, doing it while you listen to this particular episode on earbuds is a bad idea. Using it helps stay focused and a motorcycle race is out. We'll have plenty of future episodes of things like interviews of models of excellence and analyses that won't use immersion stays you can listen to while driving this stuff, but I'd like you to use the neurolinguistic programming and Ericksonian hypnotherapy model of talking to both of you, your conscious mind and unconscious mind, so at least your unconscious mind notices the backstory patterns that are the story within the story and behind the story 
They take several different forms, and I wonder how much you'll consciously notice them. Um, I'll give some explanations on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, so you can use the link in the description and see if you noticed consciously, or if you get that feeling of, yeah, I sense that, of what some in the tradition of shamanism might call the second attention and NLP practitioners and hypnotists call the unconscious mind. So enjoy, but make time for this episode away from doing anything that could be dangerous. A tale of two subwoofer companies. It's a bright, sunny afternoon. I've got big windows all around. And I'm comfortable leaning back in the soft leather couch in my living room. Dappled sunlight illuminates the Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon vinyl, just also playing on the record player spinning its spell of synthesizers and guitar, bass, keyboards, voice. There's a prominent black cube in the middle of the floor, a subwoofer, and thumping along with music needs to be doing something it's not. And I'm contrasting it with the timbre of an upright bass, which I know well as a musician, having played in bands where the bass player uses those, and a well-played electric bass and contrasting it with this one-note bass. Yeah, the floor is vibrating, some things are rattling, I feel it in my chest, but something's missing in the music. So. To give you some background, music's a passion of mine. Uh, as a musician, it's a creative outlet. And as I've learned along the way, it's also a way of nonlinear problem solving and creative idea generation in business, uh, which I've shared with some consulting clients, coaching clients. And I'll explain more later about this, but sometimes it's, you know, explain, hey, anyone can think musically. Who hasn't had a jingle or melody stuck in your head like an earworm? And teaching them that when you translate issues, projects, team players, and challenges into music in your mind, and hear it, hear how they sound together, and resolve any dissonance into harmony in your imagination, things work out in ways that escape rational thinking. Uh, without even knowing why sometimes. It becomes a nonlinear method of problem solving. Uh, so in any case, music's meant a lot to me. And as I'm smelling uh, this uh, burnt electronics, letting me know that suddenly the amplifier inside that subwoofer is fried. Um, tasting a little red wine and some Bordeaux, thinking of Galileo saying, you know, white as sunlight held together by water. You know, and it reminded me that recently my wife and I had gone to an educational wine tasting sponsored at the college she works at, and where we learned that the best wine comes from the struggle 
the roots have to go through to break through and around rocks. So stressing, stressing the vine makes better wine. Depth and character and flavor comes after conquering and mastering the struggle against the elements. Um, and as I'm thinking about all this, the smell of these burnt circuits lets me know the sub's amp has died and there is nothing for me there anymore. And I was tired of the one note bass anyways. As I use instrumental music a lot as, as a background, I'm working on a piece. Uh, I was working on a piece at the time about multiple level learning by using metaphorical stories looped within stories called nested loops um, so that the metaphors bring a level of unconscious learning which bypasses conscious mindsets like self-limiting beliefs and uh, um, I was reading about Richard Bandler's uh, use of embedded loops and I've trained with Richard he's one of the co-founders of NLP neurolinguistic programming the methodology of modeling excellence so you can model the best and then replicate their performance where he told metaphorical stories that engage the conscious mind on one level while the backstory would create positive breakthroughs talking to the unconscious mind or what um, Carlos Castaneda who wrote about shamanism they called it the second attention and this is more generative than therapeutics. This NLP is about modeling excellence, so the best can get even better. Not so much about fixing problems, where focusing on problems teaches how to have the problem. Uh, so that's what I was working on. The music sets the stage. And um, it reminded me that there's always at least one person at Richard's trainings that I went to would say something like, I can't follow him, he's just rambling on run or break. And someone be like, um, this is a seminar on hypnotic embedded metaphor. Did you read the sign? Your conscious mind. It's supposed to get a bit lost in the stories. And after these, we'd all do new things. We'd create and apply powerful new feelings in ways we couldn't consciously explain because uh, the conscious mind would have just gotten in the way. So that's the kind of thing I was working on. I had the music setting the stage and I used music that way because I had a friend who unfortunately passed away. He's a best-selling author. And he said when he was writing, he listened to modern classical music like Philip Glass, like you might hear as movie theme music, um, setting the stage like it's a series on Amazon Prime, which it is now. And anyway, Frank Zappa said music becomes a soundtrack of our lives. And I had learned to use music as a soundtrack for performance and for setting the stage and just the backdrop like a lot of us do like most of us do you know um, but I had so I've learned to really appreciate high fidelity and the purpose of a sound system is to make you feel like the live performance is going on so that you get the emotion the artist intended in the original performance I want to be able to see where the upright bass or the bass guitar or the bass drum, right where they're at in space on the soundstage, right where it belonged. I want to hear the overtones of a well-played upright bass walking up and down the scales, like that song Moon Dance, either playing as the fundamental tone behind the 
rhythm guitars, for instance, or in counterpoint, like Phil Lesh and the Grateful Dead playing using bass as a counterpoint instrument, the Jerry's guitar, or the horn-like throb of Jaco Pistorius playing with Pat Metheny. You know, it became like a conversation that starts with two conflicting points of view, but through the musical interplay, the mutual empathy leads to a greater understanding for both parties, and the music becomes a greater whole. drum and a bass guitar by how long the notes hang in the air. And to hear the separate instruments so distinctly. As I recall in one of my breakthroughs from NLP, uh, the research that Robert Diltz does showed that Mozart composed using synesthesias, translating one sense into another. So he used synesthesias like turning each instrument into an ingredient he consciously combined into a tasteful meal before going to the next stage. And he turned this composition of sounds with equivalent taste and smells that he'd be balancing. Just think of how tasteful Mozart's music is. It became literal. For he turned a composition back over to the unconscious mind and just kind of let it translate the whole piece into an abstract visual sculpture that seemed to form itself into new shapes, evoking powerful feelings of awe and inspiration. You know, and the meal part to me, the bass guitar is like a pasta or potatoes, it's a starch. Upright bass, a little more al dente than a electric bass. Acoustic guitars, more like tempeh with a smoked barbecue sauce uh, for vegetarians anyways. So, when I was learning, you can model the best creativity strategies and put them where you want. Modeling strategies is some of the great geniuses of history like Mozart. And that's when I started actually writing songs. I went from being a, you know, somebody just kind of a hobbyist who played guitar here and there and was okay to being what some people call it pretty good. And writing songs, performing songs, performing with a band, getting paid for it, getting recognition. And, and that was cool. Um, so it became important to me is what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to show the picture of and get a feeling for and get a whiff of, you know, is I wanted the bass to sound right. I wanted to be realistic, uh, both for my own compositions and stuff and for listening to music that I want to emulate and I just really enjoyed listening to. So I start doing web searches. Um, you know, what's the subwoofer to get for accurate bass? Not just loud bass, but accurate. That I can tell the difference between bass drums and bass guitars. So I find hi-fi enthusiast sites um, 
these community sites where there's people that are really, really into realistic sounding hi-fi systems. And it's not like they're spending a gazillion dollars necessarily. They might be building it on their own and learning the circuits so that they could do it. Um, so I kind of crossed the threshold into hi-fi enthusiast sight land and encountered the guardians of the threshold who are the pure objectivist and the pure subjectivist. I mean, it's like entering a war zone. You got the objectivists who basically if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. And the pure subjectivist that the measurements don't matter at all, they're misleading, it's all about how it sounds, and you're probably measuring the wrong thing. And there's some truth to that because, you know, most, most audio equipment shows a distortion rating and it doesn't tell you what kind of harmonic distortion. And some types, like what's called second harmonic, which is just the double of the frequency, is very natural to a musical instrument. And other types are very dissonant and very small amounts of so those other types are a lot more dissonant to the ear. But these troll type, very pure objectivists who took it on themselves to attack anyone who said they could hear something that the measurements weren't showing. Um, a lot of them were very A and B, black and white, either you're on our side or you're the enemy. So I had to kind of break my way through this and approach this inmost cave of where the really brilliant technical hi-fi people were talking with each other. And some of them with the wizard cap and avatar is passing along some hidden knowledge about the true thought leadership model in subwoofers and he is saying that there's a company called Rhythmic, spelled funny, R-Y-T-H-M-I-K, had a unique technology in subwoofers, a particular way of doing what's called a servo sub, where there's something that actually measures the distortion and feeds it back to the amplifier so it puts an opposite phase signal to cancel the distortion. Kind of like how these noise-canceling headphones and earbuds work, where you can fly on an airplane, put on a noise-canceling earphone, and it hears the sounds around you and cancels them out with an opposite signal. Well, it's using it to cancel out distortion. And, but as I'm making my way through these communities, learning what I'm learning, seeing what I'm seeing, hearing what I'm hearing. You know, I had to experience a, another company as well. And I'm not gonna mention their name because everywhere I went on the internet, once I had been on a subwoofer topic in the hi-fi site, I saw this company's ads everywhere I went all the time. The first time or two it made me think of them, oh yeah, I was looking to buy a subwoofer or two. A few more times I started to feel a little bit invaded. A few more times and I started considering the implications. You know, is this company reinforcing the personal data industrial complex paradigm? How much information does this have on what if it's hacked? What if my data is sold on the black market? 
I mean, that's how phishing scams happen. I consider myself savvy enough on the web to not get scammed by a phishing scam. It's, you know, maybe a morning before I've had my coffee. That's when you get an email asking, hey, you have to log in. You have a problem with your account. And it looks just like your bank's website, except it's not. And now they have your passcode to your bank's website, so they're going to go drain your money or drain your crypto. Um, but in any case, that's what's entering my mind as I'm realizing that whoever's in charge of marketing in this, this other subwoofer company has invested quite a bit of money in following me around with their ads, okay? Um, but Rhythmic, the one that had that proprietary technology that the audio wizard let me in on, um, had very few ads. The ads I saw for them were on a hi-fi enthusiast site, so it's, it's what you might call contextual placement. It matched the mindset of what I was looking for. It didn't need to know who I was or what I did. It's just like, well, you're interested in hi-fi subwoofers because you're on a community about them. So we'll place ads here. We don't need to know anything about you. So it had a little bit of a different impact, but it wasn't that many ads. But as I started digging in to learn more about what might be a unique way of making the base more accurate, I learned that this company Rhythmic also offered what I would later call a thought leadership position. They had a proprietary technology for these servo subs for the in, in other companies had servo subs before, but I had the impression from what I read before that servos made subwoofers lag and have what people called a slow bass because of the time to send the signal back, you know. But Rhythmic can solve that problem with unique technology for it. And more than that, they explained why and how their tech gives faster, more accurate bass. They gave me the data points so I could connect the dots in a way that challenged my old assumptions respectfully, led me to new assumptions, um, explained things like where boxy sounding bass comes from and how to eliminate that while leaving it in the box, kind of needs to be. And this respectful challenging my assumptions gave me the information where I could connect the dots. Having a robust enough model that I could buy into it and respecting me and how they communicated that, you know, it reminded me, they seem to know that the research I've seen shows about 85% of people research online before a major purchase, even for offline purchases. Um, they knew to feed that research need and to educate me in a way that separated them from the rest. Um, more than that, they changed assumptions in a way that empowered me as a customer, that even if I didn't buy from them, I knew more about what makes accurate base, knew how to get more value, had some talking points I could share with other musicians who were talking about it, and I knew I could make a smarter buying decision either way. You know, they may not have known that feeling followed by ads could build resentment towards a brand. And a guy named Seth Godin, you've probably heard of if you're in any kind of marketing and persuasion, he's brilliant at explaining relatively apparent things that people haven't really adopted enough yet simply. Um, he brought up this dynamic decades ago in the book called Permission Marketing and explained the difference between interruption marketing, uh, what company A was doing, and permission marketing, where you give people something of value to get their permission to continue communicating with them, rather than trying to interrupt their flow, which can create this blowback of negative sentiment. 
Um, but the company that had the thought leadership position, Rhythmic, they were demonstrating a lot of factors that I would later organize into a model called strategic thought leadership using the methods of neurolinguistic programming um, to use a structure of language to have clear building blocks that describe how an audience thinks about a product line or a topic or a profession or a field and what new thinking would lead them to best appreciate your point of view, your product, your service, to identify what I would call higher values in customers. In the case of the music stuff, to me is the ability to feel the emotions the artist intended, to get the full inspiration from music. And quote Frank Zappa again, without music to decorate it, time is just a bunch of boring production deadlines or dates by which bills must be paid. So Rhythmics demonstrated many of the components of the thought leadership model. So needless to say, I bought Rhythmic subs. Needless to say, well maybe not needless, I made a vow to not buy the other company's products, which is maybe not as strong as another personal vow I made to not buy from companies largely owned by governments who saw up journalists in Turkish embassies. And I won't mention their names like Uber and Lucid Motors. Yeah, sure, I've been challenged on that. Like, I, what you would buy would make no difference to these rich guys. And then, like, well, my response is more about how I feel. It's about doing the right thing to feel congruent with my values. Like, part of my respect for marketers is that no matter how some perceive them, and of course, I've been a marketer, I'm sitting in the shoes. My company's own research uh, for a client who was selling to marketers. Um, and it's a special kind of research, which is very privacy respectful. Instead of the model of learning about people as targets in their history to better target them, it's more about learning what people want. And especially listening respectfully to learn what they want. And especially what, what are the higher values that are really important to them that can be better fulfilled to better serve them with a new way of thinking about what you're presenting or what you're selling what you're persuading them about. So my respect for marketers comes from how much they value integrity. That's actually high value. It influenced my mission to better give them that with a model that fully respects the end user because it's aligned end to end. Because even if you see the end user, the customer prospect on the bottom of a marketing continuum hierarchy, even though they're really at the top because they're the ones who determine the value of the service. They're the ones who determine where their attention goes. But even if you see them at the bottom of a hierarchy where you've got the, the customer company paying the advertisers, who pays the media, who presents ads to the customers, um, systems thinking, which has been an important discipline because it shows you how to get more out of less by understanding system dynamics. Like you've ever had a system situation where you're you may not realize the system situation. I've had this happen where you're pushing so hard to make something happen and it seems like the world is pushing back against you and nothing is being accomplished. And it's the system pushing back against you is what's happening. And 
Understanding system dynamics means you find what we call a leverage point where just a little bit of change, the right change means that whole system gives way and you got momentum and you get a lot of results with just a little bit of effort. And there's a key piece in systems thinking written by a very brilliant lady named Danilla Meadows who's unfortunately passed and places to intervene in a system. You know, the most powerful leverage point for changing a system is, is the paradigms, people who control the system, the mental models. And NLP deals a lot with mental models. Strategic thought leadership is about expanding people's mental models, expanding their choices, giving them a new frame, new talking points, uh, and a new perspective that is refreshing and gives them more value, more of what's important to them. It's not manipulative because they can always go back to their old way of thinking. You're giving them more choices, not less. Um, but even if you see the customers at the bottom of the hierarchy, systems thinking, I'm giving you the quick explanation, says that hierarchies that don't serve the lowest levels are going to eventually collapse. And we're seeing that. Yeah, we're seeing that in the loss of third-party cookies, these laws in Europe about data privacy saying that Apple changing the rules about tracking so Facebook loses some of its tracking ability on iPhones. And everybody that's in the personal data marketing industrial complex is having to rethink their game a little bit. And speaking of rethinking the game, using a little bit of game theory, another part of this process of strategic thought leadership, is I don't want to make them into adversaries. I want to show them a way to reallocate the technology. And instead of using the AI to study people and their history, study what they want. Listen respectfully. You'll find so much insight, and that's the insight aspect of leading strategically in thought leadership. And then you've got the imagination part of coming up with, like this brilliant engineer that started Rhythmic came up with a new technology. That, but it wasn't just coming up with a new technology, it was coming up with ways to explain the new technology in ways that captivated customer attention, engaged them, and got them to change their thinking. And it did, and I bought the product. And then the third part is the impact. So you got the insight into customer thinking, prospect thinking. Where's a mental model uh, that is not being fulfilled? Um, accurate base, you know, <laughs> it's mine. Yeah, I want more accurate. I want to be able to tell the difference between bass notes and between bass instruments better than my system was giving me. Um, What's a higher value is the f fulfillment of having the emotion of the artist conveyed better because I could hear more deeply and see more deeply into the music. And what's a way to impact this segment of the marketplace, to impact an audience, to, to hear an audience, to invent a new way of thinking for them and to impact them powerfully. Uh, so. There's many layers to that onion. There's lots of different mastery levels of strategic thought leadership. 
But what I want for you to get out of this podcast is to be empowered, to see marketing a different way, to see persuasion a different way, a way that adds value to the end user, whether or not the buy what you're selling or join your organization or your niche, you're going to be a lot more likely to, but the point is they're empowered by your communication itself. So they naturally gravitate to you. They find you when they're doing research before a purchase or when they're learning online. And you move their thinking respectfully somewhere that helps them satisfy what's really important to them at a higher level. Many different levels of skills to get better at this. And I've assumed the role of coach and consultant, consulting coach, coaching consultant, call it what you like, because I found that's the best way to help an individual or an organization integrate strategic thought leadership. Um, Because um, I have had a marketing agency for quite some years, and I found the agency model in too many cases is perceived as down the hierarchy so we're not getting the internal change in mental models that's necessary in the actual thought leaders themselves because it comes from you or comes from your client doesn't come from the outside but an outside facilitator Um, plus possibly partnering with the agency but not in a way that there's any financial incentive on doing one thing or the other with the agency for the coaching consultant. The coaching consultant's role should be absolutely pure. My job is to set the environment for you to access your inner resources at a higher level to bring out and package your, your thought leadership to think of it as a skill on a never-ending continuum. Not to worry so much about whether or not you're labeled as a thought leader because that's up to other people. And in my opinion, if you're helping one person look at the topic in a different way that empowers them, you're doing thought leadership. And the better you do that, the more powerful it is. So just understanding the general dynamics of this, the building blocks of strategic thought leadership, you can get with some of the free reports that the show link has, the marketer's guide for strategic thought leadership, or example of a market leadership playbook as an example of how you can create a playbook based on insight, inspiration, and creating impact through turning it into content. Um, So understanding the general dynamics, getting the vocabulary, I encourage you to get the free reports. Go to the episode page. There will be some supporting information on this topic, and I'll be for every episode. Um, Then there's applying the knowledge, of course. You can read a book about climbing a mountain. It's not the same thing as actually climbing the mountain. It's a different experience. Then the next level would be modeling excellence, and I plan to have a lot of analyses of exquisite examples of strategic thought leadership on this show, um, including interviews where we can really find behind the scenes what somebody is doing so you can pick the best of it for yourself. Then you got the continuum of building high-level skills and applying high-level skills and continually building more insight, inspiration, and impact. 
part of my job has been to take my decades-long experience in mastery of neurolinguistic programming and modeling excellence and curate the most important, simplest to understand methods that enable you to get insight and to create a powerful position and to create talking points that are extremely persuasive because you have unconscious impact on the audience as well as getting them engaged consciously. Uh, and you can do this as an organization. It takes leader engagement no matter what. Um, a facilitator like myself plus maybe a partner agency who can help build the content, can minimize you know, the things that might be outside your gift mix. Um, but the engagement would need to be there and the coaching and consulting role is absolutely the way to do it. It's where the impact is, it's where the leverage is, it's where you get maximum bang for the buck. And if you are in a position where you can make a significant amount of money from a breakthrough in marketing and persuasion, whether you're an influencer, run a marketing agency, whether you have a company, you have a startup, you have an idea you want to bring to life, and you want to build an audience as part of that, um, or you're a leader of an organization that you want to lead the marketplace with, you know, I can help you. And I do a money-back guarantee on the first consultation. 30 minutes in, if we're both not agreeing, this is a big win-win to move forward. Call it quits, and that 30 minutes is on me. Otherwise, we're moving forward. So instead of a free consultation, I'm creating all this free content. Um, and that enables me to best utilize my time because it does take ongoing time every day to work on self-mastery, to be the best possible coach for my clients, best possible consultant for my clients and client companies. Uh, it takes reflection time. And... I've decided to minimize my time and take just a few clients where I can have tremendously high impact. So if you think that could be you, hop on the link, check it out, see if it's a fit. If it is, click a couple things and you got on my schedule. Um, but I'm glad you're here at the podcast. Uh, if you want to get more of this, subscribe and appreciate any recommendations and reviews. Thanks, and have a great one. Thought Leadership Studio.